What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Skip Hill, Andrew Berry, and myself, Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by True Nutrition. Use our code THINK at truenutrition.com. Get some high-quality carb powders, some high-quality protein powders, creatine, everything else you can think of. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for our Canadian folk. They've got label change deals, uh, short-dated deals, all sorts of stuff. It changes week to week, so check them out if you're in Canada. And, of course, we're brought to you by Patreon. We've got some Patreon questions today, but we're going to pull a question that was from the Think Big Facebook group. By the way, thanks for watching live and supporting us over at the Think Big group. You guys are freaking awesome. Um, Skip, this was about uh, using insulin, correct? Uh, using insulin uh, during a cut phase. So let's dive into that. I don't remember what the specifics were, but can you tell us what the gist of it was? Yeah, the gist of it was the question about whether you can get lean mm-hmm. while using insulin. And just not great information um and you know opinions and and that's fine but it that's what struck me and i thought it would be a good topic and and there's so much to there's so much here but the first thing that comes to my first thing that came to my mind when i read that is i just think does brett swanson not get lean (laughs) like he's on a pump that feeds well, he insulin. does say, though, that he tries to cut his car. Like, he, he's told me to get really, really peeled at the end. He does need to try to get that insulin as low as possible. Uh, and he goes to very low carbs in order to do that. Now, that's, you know, right. the, that's we're talking and think about how we can think about how a lean lot of us he do gets. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. You make a good point. How lean he gets. I mean, if he didn't yeah. get lean and he struggled. But this is. You know, we're talking about type one, and we, you know, Anth Bales is another good example. No one would ever look at Anth and go, "Yes, yeah, condition is is questionable. His conditioning is questionable." So, those things strike me first as almost so obvious um, that I just think that doesn't make any sense. So then it got into the argument of, or the debate, if you will, of you know, Lantus versus you know, fast acting insulin, and everything, and that's where the rabbit. That's that's the opening of the rabbit hole because, you know, even fast acting insulin prior to workout is going to be completely different than running high levels of insulin all the time. Let me just touch on this one thing, though, because I'll tell you, I may have contributed to this years ago. I don't want to give myself too much credit, like the entire industry listens to Skip and everything that Skip said 15 years ago. Uh, you know, is now <laughs> written on tablets somewhere on a mountain real, real high. It, but I did say, and I said this, I'll say it exactly. I'm not paraphrasing. This is how I said it verbatim. When insulin levels are high, it's like your body puts a lock, and I would go just like this while I said it, a lock on the ability to access body fat as a fuel source. And I was just wrong. I, I it was just it, you, how do I explain this? It's not the insulin level as much as it is the high blood sugar level. So you have the, the two that are, you know, we accept as being married, but they're not, it's, I misinterpreted that. And I should not have said that the way that I said it because it was misleading and I misunderstood it at the time. I admit it. I'm, I'm being honest, but that's not, how it works. Another example is I found that uh, insulin use prior to cardio seemed to be like 
like I'm, this is this is just logical. Like you're dropping your blood sugar, especially coming off like a skip load or a cheat meal or something like that. You're dropping your blood sugar levels. You're getting yourself back into this body fat burning mode, and then come to find out. And I love when this happens because it makes me feel like I'm part of the smart crowd. Then I hear Chris Aceto was doing the same thing. And I'm like, ah, okay, I'm in good company because of Chris. I've always said, if Chris is, if I find out I've done something or I thought a specific way on a topic and someone like Chris Aceto or Chad Nichols is, I'm like, ah, okay, cool. That's, that is re that reaffirms that I'm not, that I'm not a dumbass. <laughs> so that's another example of that process working where it otherwise shouldn't work if that were the case. So I don't want to like go on and on about my, I want to hand it off, you know, to Andrew too, but it, it, this, there's just a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, I mean, I just don't think there's any rules that apply, you know, ad nauseum to anything. So would I be running, you know, high doses of Lantus and insulin with every meal? Well, no, I, I, I would die right. because I'm probably not eating nearly as much as I would during a bulk up phase. Right. right. So, that kind of common sense cancels that out. But can you use insulin strategically during prep, even daily? Absolutely, to maximize glycogen retention, anti-catabolism, uh, excuse me, and anabolism around certain windows and then not use it in other windows of the time as well. So like, I, I think it was kind of a, um, I'm trying to think of the word, uneducated statement, I guess, to say that you can't mm -hmm. lose use insulin in a contest prep. I mean, I've used insulin in the last 10 or 12 contest preps I've done straight through, you know, all the way through every single. Yeah. From, yeah. Almost. And I'm talking, not just talking to carb up for the show. I'm talking like daily as part of my routine for my intro workout, carbohydrate intake, um, you know, my L carnitine intake, all those yeah. different things, all those variables. So yeah, I You'll don't have think, to excuse um, me real quick, Andrew. I, I am looking, I had to check your Instagram to see what kind of condition you get. Oh, yeah, you got an okay you shape, a, right? You got a, you you get get a okay good condition. Yeah, and you use, <laughs> use insulin daily. Okay, um, just just checking. <laughs> Go ahead. <clears throat> thank, well, thank you for the affirmation. No, but I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, let's 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 give real world examples, right? You know, if I'm going to, let's say I, I'm I'm an intra workout insulin and carbohydrate user, right? Yeah, you know that's probably the last place that I'm going to pull my carbohydrates from other people might have different opinions. They might want to put carbs pre-workout, post-workout other times of the day, but I'm the kind of person that I want all my carbohydrates in those situations centered around the workout. So if I'm working out around meal four after meal four, I'm fine going carbless meal one, two, three doing carbs, pre-workout carbs, post-workout and carbs, intra workout and cycling my, or putting my insulin in with my intra workout, you know, in terms of dosage, now, here's where you got to be careful, though, because you are a lot more insulin sensitive than you are in the right. off season. OK, yeah. so, you know, the, the the quote unquote rule of one unit per 10, 10 grams of carbohydrate, that doesn't apply. OK, mm. it might be more like one unit of insulin for 20 grams of carbohydrate, especially as you get leaner and leaner and closer to your show. So that, mm -hmm. so when people like to use these like hard and dirty rules or, or, or mathematic, you know, um, equations, it, do, it doesn't necessarily work out that way. It might for some people, but. At least for me, like I found I needed to use less and less insulin as I got closer and leaner to a show. And and I think I've told you guys this before. I mean, I've used insulin with no carbs. You know, when I was on a carb-free diet, very low fat, doing tons of cardio, I was trying to do everything I possibly could to get leaner. And I still took intra-workout insulin. Why did I do that? Because I wanted to take any circulating glucose in my bloodstream and push it back into the muscle tissue. All right. Which And then I was going to do my cardio right afterwards. And I did a lot of cardio right afterwards. 
It's a great way to lose body fat very quickly. I don't recommend it unless you are very in tune with what you're doing. You have a glucometer with you and you're checking yourself regularly. That was the time I got myself down to 28 and I had to, you know, I had to break and do some carbs afterwards. But my point is, is that, you know, if you know what you're doing, you have a glucometer with you, um, you know, you can make smart decisions and you can, you know, save yourself from making bad ones, I guess. For the, let me, let me, go ahead, Scott. For the new guys out there, I, I, I do want to say I would consider this to be advanced. I would consider this to be uh, not something for – because you, you'll have people – I don't know if you guys have, but I've had guys that reach out to me that uh, aren't, aren't really that advanced. Maybe they're just trying to get in shape, and they, they aren't in good shape at all. Let's say they're 20% plus – and and then they hear us talking about this stuff. So for perspective, I would not, that'd be a situation where I, I probably wouldn't ever use insulin for a guy in that situation where we just, just a, in a lot of cases, I think a straightforward diet is going to do what we need it to do. If we're talking about somebody who is competing and somebody who has more muscle, um, somebody with like, like a guy like you, Andrew, you've talked about how um, your struggle had been uh, fullness, right? Uh, like mm-hmm. as you would get lean, it's like you had to do you did a lot of crazy stuff that would help you to still maintain that like freaky round look that you were able to achieve on stage. Mm-hmm. I think for another guy who might be in an opposite position, it could be a bad thing. So I'm kind of sure. over here on the side just as like this little voice of reason. I just wanted to throw that in there mm-hmm. for some of the guys who are, you know, we're coming up on Christmas. After that, mm-hmm. what do we have is New Year's. And then people are like, hey, you know what? I'm going to get in shape. I remember hearing on Blood, Sweat, and Gear, you can use insulin and get ripped. I'm going to use insulin every day while I'm, you know, that kind well, of situation. Well, let's keep in mind, we're not saying that insulin is a fat burner. We're not saying that insulin is, right. is the tool to get you. Okay. I think what we're trying to explain is that you can properly use insulin if you structure it the right way and get lean. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 it's based on, and it's based on other variables, too, that we haven't touched on either that I guess I would think would be obvious, but growth hormone use is one. You, look, circulating blood sugar, higher blood sugar levels is not not what you want that's that to me is more the issue than anything having to do with insulin when it comes time to tap into body fat stores as an energy source so as an example if you're running and i use myself as an example i started the serastim issue earlier or project if you will earlier this year and you know i kept getting asked by clients and friends, you know, well, how much insulin you're running? And I'm, and I'm like, I'm really not outside of pre-workout. I have, you guys saw, I'm so excited that I have a script for Lantus that every eight weeks I get, you know, my new script and my daughter picks it up for me on the way home and I'm building a nice little supply. Of pens. <laughs> but, but when, if I don't need, and I wasn't running high fasted blood sugar at all, I was running normal. There's no need for me to try to put in and force the use of a long acting insulin if it's not necessary so something like that would be it would have been counterproductive i probably could have arguably then had issues where okay maybe now i'm getting a little chunkier i'm getting a little soft it's just not necessary so that's just one other variable there that i think uh you know obviously plays a part too but i i think the emphasis should be more on whether you're circulating blood sugar levels are higher what types of carbs you're eating Mm. um 
if you're eating more carbs at specific times, how you load, how you, you know, whether you skip load, whether you have these massively high, Paul Barnett is a good example uh, with his diet anyway. I don't know and I won't speak to his insulin use if he uses insulin at all. But I would assume that he probably uses insulin if he's running these very, very high, very high carb, low fat uh, meals. And a lot of those carbs are processed as well. For what reason? To make them even quicker to get into the system to raise blood sugar levels. And I think that with his conditioning, there is probably no way that he's not using insulin. And I know whether he's using it or not, but I don't want to speak for him. (laughs) I wouldn't want anybody speaking for me, so I don't want to speak for him as well. But that's a good example if someone were running that type of a diet, uh, you know, and using insulin versus running that type of a diet and just getting fat as hell. Well, yeah, let's walk through an example. Let's say someone is doing a very low carbohydrate diet Monday through Friday, and then they have a skip load day or a high refeed day, whatever anyone wants to call it. Let's say, you know, just throw some numbers out there. Their base carbohydrate intake somewhere around 250 grams a day. And then that one day a week, they're bumping it up to say 800 grams. And would would you agree that it wouldn't be out of bounds to add in, you know, insulin to every single meal or several meals? If you're doing some really high carbohydrate meals, that would be one appropriate way to use it, correct? Sure. And and the loading still, though, the, I would still take the macros into account. First, blood sugar levels. Test your blood mm-hmm. sugar levels because let's say it's a, a skip load or a refeed where you, or a cheat meal and mm-hmm. you're throwing down, you know, a good amount of fat with the, you know, with the carbs, too. You may not have this absurdly high blood sugar level or it may not stay elevated for a while. You know, the other thing that people need to take into consideration is whether you're going to run high from one meal or you're going to run higher and higher as the day goes on because you're loading more and more meals, there becomes this overlap and you can start, you may not need it for the first meal, but you may need it three meals in or four meals in. So again, the, you know, checking your blood sugar is absolutely vital. There's no guessing game or there shouldn't be a guessing game in using insulin. And I have found this, I don't know if you guys have, I I would imagine you have, it's the veteran insulin users who become complacent. Mm. It's not the newbie. The newbie, it takes a shot of insulin of four units and thinks he's going to not make it to the mailbox and back before going, you know, comatose on the front lawn. It's the veteran user. And I, yeah. and I, I will say this. I'll admit it. There are times where I'll take my pre-workout and be like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. And I get in there and I don't bring my gym bag with me and I don't have my carbs. And after, you know, a few minutes of sitting there checking my Instagram, I may realize based on my diet, based on the time of the, you know, the week, if it's Friday versus Monday coming off of a load, whether I have higher carb intake, I'm not as depleted. All these, there's, a, there's just a myriad of factors that play into it. And I'm like, oh, and I'm laughing to myself. And then I catch myself and go, it's not that funny. Like you see the signs. So don't just go, oh yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it. That's where that veteran insulin user, sometimes they don't even check their blood sugar level. Like, oh, I know what they're going to be. Yeah, it's a really bad idea. You well, you guys, idea. Let me you touch on that bad. real quick. Let me touch on that real quick because I do think a veteran to insulin use knows their different levels of of, of being hypo. And my, my right. point is that's that, true. Like I know, and, and actually I could show you direct text messages where I've been on the phone. Or, well, I've been on the phone with my buddy Phil Viz, right? Because we're both we both talk about our blood sugar all the time, having a conversation. I had used intra-workout insulin. I'd driven home. I was, it was time to eat. I was in contest prep. And at one point, I'm like, Phil, I got to go, man. Like, I think my blood sugar is between 48 and 52 right now. And then I go in the house. We hang up. I go in the house. And sure enough, I test it twice. 
one of the numbers was 48. The other one was 52. And I sent it to him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think you can, yeah. be, if you're an experienced insulin user and an experience, you, you've experienced hypoglycemia several times, you know what the difference is between 70, 50, you know what 20, 30 feels like. So I, I think, sure. This isn't like everybody. Yeah, this isn't yeah, first time users. I don't, I don't disagree with that. What I think I'm saying is, I think that the newer user is so hyper vigilant. Not not as a blanket statement. You know, no, there right. are because the they don't like realize they can use it yet without without you know without unaliving right, exactly. themselves. You know? Right, and and I think that's, that's where the complacency <laughs> sometimes comes in because I know I've caught myself. I I don't go hypo after legs. But I'll go hypo after arms one day later, arms, abs, and calves, because I stop at the gas station on the way home or the grocery store, I stop off at Whole Foods, and I get a few things, and I come home, and I'm like, oh, it's dropping. And within 10 minutes, I find myself where I'm starting to sweat, and I'm mm-hmm. getting irritated with my wife because she's not as hungry as I am, and it's not as vital. I need you to get out of the way because I need to get this into me, this, these carbs into me right now. And she understands that. She'll back away. She's like, okay. But that's the thing. It's, there are so many factors there that I think that's where sometimes that complacency can come in versus you know, the newbie. The newbie will make a mistake of doing, say, 40 units instead of four units yeah, and can't yeah. figure out why he's going hypo. And, yeah. for, you know, so there's, there's, there's just a d- discrepancy, I think, between the two. It was uh, two times I've heard stories. One of them was on one of our shows. Uh, Fuad had told us a story on It's Just Bodybuilding where uh, and I think he was working with Chad and he had one pen, one pin that was loaded up with insulin, one pin that was loaded up with growth. And before bed, he was supposed to take the growth. Of course, you know, veteran made one of those yeah. mistakes and mm-hmm. he ended up, he ended up like waking up uh, with paramedics. We had, we pulled it as a clip to it somewhere. I should put like a, um, you know, a, a, a link to it here, but uh, he woke up basically uh, with the paramedics. They took him to the hospital. They pumped him full of glucose in the next morning. He looked in the mirror and he was absolutely just like freaking filled out and just nutty, just like crazy. But basically, they thought he was going to unalive himself with that situation. And with his pants on, it was like he had to go to the show. This was like right before the show. He was still wearing the hospital pants. He didn't have a shirt because he, he was basically in his boxers or naked or whatever sleeping. Right. So he took a cab to the weigh ins. And walked into there with just the hospital pants on. And I guess he got a bunch of crap because they took pictures and everything. And mm-hmm. and everybody was saying, oh, Fuad thinks he's just, you know, the shit and everything because he's walking around without his shirt on. He was literally just wearing the hospital pants, came straight from the hospital for weigh-ins and then and killed it. There was that. And then Milos had a story of same situation, having one pin filled with insulin, one with growth getting on an airplane and taking the wrong one and not Oof. figuring it out until, you know, until he figured it out. That would suck. Yeah. Yeah. I think one suck. note too, before we moved on, just cause you, you were saying Andrew about understanding going hypo, you, mm-hmm. our brains, when we go hypoglycemic, I don't care if it's using insulin or not, that is, it, it's, there's like that, that fight or flight trigger that happens that that's your body trying to save itself, you know, sure. and it, it can feel like like you're in a house that's on fire and you need to get out of it right now. 
And and I think that being a veteran, then when that does, what you're kind of getting at is you recognize that and you can override that that fear oh, yeah. that, that happens because it's a real trigger. Anybody who's felt it, uh, you know, then you then they end up if you've never experienced it before, you end up cleaning out the pantry, the fridge. And then finally, 10 minutes later, you're finally feeling better, you know. Oh, yeah. I think if you're doing it correctly, yeah, you can override it and then eat only exactly what you're supposed to eat when it's time. Because, again, you you might not get, like, the normal glycogen response that you would if in the off-season. You you know, your blood sugar is not shooting up to 300 and then back down. It might only shoot up to, like, 150 because you only ate 50 grams of carbohydrates, you know, because you're on this calorie-controlled diet and you're really – your main focus is fat loss at that point. Um, Yeah, I agree 100%. All right, we had some a bunch of questions. We'll try to get through some of these. Um, so, if you guys want to take part in the next show, then comment below. Um, we, you know, we need your questions. This is how we run the show. So, definitely comment with questions. Uh, I've got some from Patreon. I've got some from YouTube. This one's from Patreon, I believe. And um, also, too, if you're new to our content, then we encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell. All of that. We have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. So, what are your guys' thoughts on crap loading before bed? Example. Three servings of almond butter, four servings of jam, or any high-calorie foods, really. Make sure you go to bed with a surplus is the basic concept. Thanks. I mean, that didn't seem like a lot, honestly. Not exactly. (laughs) That's not a load. (laughs) That seemed like... I mean, one of my meals minus the protein, honestly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I wouldn't call that a shitloading. Like to me, here's my example of like a shitloading. Okay. You know, I don't eat pizza anymore, but like a large pizza and then a carrot cake and then a pint of ice cream. Like that to me yep. would be like a shitload where yeah. you're literally getting in like 10,000 calories in a one hour window and then going to sleep. That's what I would consider, sh- you know, crap loading. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I changed it for YouTube, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we caught that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no I'm trying to follow suit. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I don't think that if it's going to have any major effect one, you know, more so than eating a large steak. I mean, what do you have? Three servings of almond butter, uh, yeah, some, few, some jam, three, four jam. servings of jam. So that's that's like sixty or, carbs, right he there. Says, or any high calorie foods, and yeah, that's it. I mean, that's a big that's a big difference from like thirty grams of fat and sixty grams of carbs. Which, if you add a protein into that, that, that like I said, that's, that'd be like one of my meals before bed. Yeah, um, yeah, the, yeah. I don't think that's the right example. How, now, how they're about, asking, yeah, what about crap loading before bed? Uh, I mean, it, it depends. If you're super super lean. And you crap load before bed, you're just going to wake up nice and full. If you're if you're right. not super lean and you crap load before bed, you're going to wake up with poor digestion. You're backed yeah. up. You're going to look bloated and watery, and it's probably just going to backfire on you. And it doesn't really serve a purpose. So it all depends on the context of where you are in your phase of the year. Would you guys disagree at all? Yeah, I'd agree. With no, that. I, I I agree with that. I have uh, it. It brings up the the idea that I get clients who ask me if they're doing say one meal or two meal. What, what's the best time of the day? load. And what I have found is there are some people who once they get loading, they can't seem to turn it off. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have a hard time going back to the diet. So as an example, I'm a breakfast guy. I love a good brunch. So, you know, I tend to load earlier in the day and then I'll be back on my diet. People who struggle may have a better chance of staying on their diet during the day and then going to their load meals before they go to bed the other thing too is is you don't have to get any clean meals after that kind of choke them down yeah. if you're full 
if you do it right before bed, you're going to wake up in the morning. If you're depleted, you should not wake up in the morning full or, you know, like it was three hours ago that you ate a meal. As far as the results, I don't think I haven't found with skip loading for 20 plus years that there's any difference with the time of day. That's why I give my clients that control. Uh, mm-hmm. I do prefer it's on a rest day so that they train the next day. I want, I don't, I don't like a load day and then you're off the next day. Yeah. Uh, take advantage of the, you know, the, the glycogen storage, arguably higher blood sugar levels in the morning. Cause they typically will be elevated to some degree and get, get in the gym and take advantage of that. Um, I, it's funny because I don't, um, I load very, very clean these days. So I just want to give this example real quick. I always have my breakfast. I have my whole foods breakfast and I have bacon like everybody else or everybody else that loves bacon, but it's whole foods bacon without the nitrates and things like that. But it, it's relatively clean in that sense. So it's not just like, I don't go to Denny's or, or IHOP or anything like that. I wouldn't do that. But then after that, I have a lot of poke bowls and I just cram them in, which is relatively clean. I mean, that's not, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people are surprised that those are, that's a big part of my skip loading. But this last Sunday, I threw down two meals of, of five guys. I had <laughs> Yeah, too. Like back to uh, back. Meal. Did you wait? Did you uh, get well, eat it and then three, go back? Three hours, so. Did you go back? No, to I, get- no okay. I'm Uber Eats, dude. I'm lazy. Oh. They can deliver that to my front So we ordered two it deliveries. twice. Yeah, two deliveries to your no, house. No, I ordered it once. From- oh. Uh, I don't. I don't think I'd want the second one. Then honestly, yeah, just it, throw it in the microwave. I mean, it it is what it is. It's not bad. The fries aren't as good. Yeah, uh, a couple shakes in there, salted caramel shake. But I got Adrian's pizza, which is incredibly good New York pizza. That's a block away. I had that Uber Eats delivered too. <laughs> and I went through all this loading. Right, I get to the gym on Monday, and I'm like, man, I'm still full. I was kind of miserable. I'm like, this is why I don't like this. I just don't. Mm-hmm. But I hit the same weight on a chest press that i hit two weeks ago and i only got eight reps and i got 16 i was right you know when you go into a set i'm not kidding when you go into a set and you're like within the first couple reps you go oh i'm i'm taking this for hell yeah man yeah and you're not speeding anything up you're just like you just feel like you're just the king of the place like every just look at me look how easy this is look at my mechanics you want to be me right now (laughs) it was that it was that type of set it was just it was just like oh man i love that and that's where it gets there's a little bit of a psychological addiction to that loading because then i was thinking Oh man, this is, I need to go back to, no, I don't. I mean, I'm progressing very well. I'm growing. My condition is very good. I don't need to just start throwing down crappy food all day. I don't know, <laughs> man. Eight reps to 16 reps. I, I mm-hmm. might do it, you know, literally double the rep. <laughs> I, I was, it's one of those where you get in and you go, did I grab the wrong plate? Like right. the wrong dumbbells, but it wasn't a dumbbell. It was, I, I just couldn't, I really couldn't believe it. Do you have and any, it was the same machine, same place. So I know you'll tell us, Skip, do you have, uh, anything else going on in, uh, besides just the food that may be assisting you at the moment? Yeah, I actually and, fell back to TRT. That's another topic. No kidding. No I kidding. don't know how this works. I'm about four weeks into TRT, but I'm not kidding when I say I will progress nine times out of ten coming off a cycle and going to TRT. I will progress better. Huh. Like my system is running cleaner for probably six or seven weeks, and then it starts to fall off after that. Okay, and I'm going to be honest. I I can't really explain it outside of that. Yeah, here's my explanation for that. I think it's your body's overcoming the the constant toxicity of the drugs. 
It probably my HRV yeah. is up, like I told you guys. My yeah. uh, resting heart rate is down ten or eleven points. It, it, I feel, and you know what? I'm going to say this. I know it's too much information, but the sex is better. Don't lie to me and tell me that the sex is better while you guys are on heavy cycles, because I don't ever get that. Put me on TRT all day. That part really? is great. Cycles. It's the only thing that I really don't like about cycles. It's not bad. It's just not. As good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, Victor Conte would uh, talked about uh, doping for runners, sprinters, and oh. that they would dope with uh, drugs like Winstrel, and that they would come off of them before running, not only for to try to pass tests and stuff, but because they would get more weighted down, more bogged down as the compound was in their system. And then as they lightened up from it, they would they'd just be faster and they'd be they'd be faster than before they started. So I don't know, maybe there's something something similar in there. I think you could be onto something, Andrew, about being healthier, you know? Well, yeah, I just think, you know, Training's a stressor, you know, work's a stressor. Adding PEDs to your body is a stressor. It's an yeah. anabolic, but it is also a stressor on body systems in terms of detoxing and everything. And I think also, you know, I can't remember who talked about this in a podcast several years ago, but your nutrient needs are severely higher when you're on PEDs for all the cofactors and whatnot mm. that are needed oh, for yeah. all the biological reactions. So now you have less of those, those that need, but you're still taking in the same amount of micronutrients they're actually like where they need to be. So it's almost like yeah. we might be operating in a deficit while we were on cycle in terms of micronutrients acting as cofactors to these reactions. I think you're right on that. I've seen that in my own life with vitamin D. I, the, my, my year-long contest prep, by the end of it, I thought that I had thyroid issues and uh, I, I was like just like dozing and I felt tired all the time. Podcasting, I'd start like falling asleep and I wasn't tired. It'd just be like mid-conversation. If I'm not doing something or talking, I would just start. Anyway, it turned out to be vitamin D. The first day I took vitamin D, I was like, boom, I was awake. And that's when I started learning more about that your requirements for vitamin D are up with testosterone. Mm -hmm. And that's even for guys on TRT. But you can imagine... If you're taking a gram and a half, then you're going to need that much more. Absolutely. All right. Let me see what else we got here. I know we had a bunch of them. There was another one. I mean, we we're talking about insulin. So let me see if I could find that other insulin question. Eh, you know what? It'll come up. Instead, we'll go to Johan. He says, um, question about uh, um, morning workouts for blood, sweat, and gear. He says, uh, I have the fortune of being able to choose my, my work shifts. I feel like I have the most energy when I do my workouts before work. So I usually work the evening shift and I hit the gym after my breakfast. The problem is when I work out AM, I rarely uh, get a nice pump and I feel very dried out. My muscles feel stiff. I have generally hard time getting properly warmed up. My guess is because I'm dehydrated after sleep. Um, any way to combat this? I don't think it's just Water dehydration. Sodium. Yeah, I was just going to say it's the electrolytes more than even the fluid, yeah, right? Exactly. And the other yeah. thing I'll say, like, you don't need to do it first thing in the morning. Why not start the night before even, you know? Like, knowing that you're working out first thing in the morning, I would load up on, like, those element packets or some type of electrolyte supplement with more fluid. And then a lot of people will, will argue, well, I don't want to have to get up and go pee in the middle of the night. And it's like, yeah, so you get up and go pee and then you go back to bed. Like, what's the big deal with that? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, for me, it's like, I don't really care. Like if I have to go, I get up and I go and then I go back to sleep and I'll drink more on my way back to bed too. <laughs> yes. In contest prep, it's not rare 
to have to get up three times in the middle of the night. And yeah. some people complain about that. Oh, you're breaking your sleep up. It's like, nah, like, uh, it, it's just my body doing what it needs to do. You know, to me, like, I never saw that as a negative, you know. Um, yeah. But then I would also definitely hydrate more in the morning. And like Skip started to say before I cut them off, electrolytes, sodium, potassium, you need to get the magnesium, you need to get those in. So I think that's probably where he's lacking if he's not getting the pump. Yeah, and for what it's worth, you didn't cut me off. I tried to slide it in there because I saw you taking a big breath. I'm like, oh, just real quick, I'm gonna just get it in here. Uh, I'm smarter than him. Yeah, I'm not waiting. I'm just not waiting for it. I'm way too impatient. My old age. Now, the other thing too is, is taking the electrolytes in at night when your fluid intake is not as high won't have you peeing them out because water intake ah. also thins, uh, you know, your bloodstream of electrolytes as well. So, as an example, we do not want to be hyponatremic. And that is one thing that if you're, as an example, you know, people who take in a lot of water, uh, they may they may sweat a lot. I always use this. If you're lawn care, you own a lawn care business or something and you're out, you know, 12 hours a day and you're sweating and, and it's hot, your fluid intake is, is clearly going to need to be higher. But at the same time, your electrolytes, you're just, we lose a lot of that through, you know, respiration, perspiration, and urination. Those are, the, I think that's the only three ways you can lose it <laughs> outside of, you know, being stabbed um, or being shot. <laughs> Is there another way? Ejaculation, maybe. Ah, yes, nice. I, I, yeah. Do we say that on here? I don't feel bad about bringing up sex on TRT. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I don't think there's another one. Oh, there is. Or mm. diarrhea, for that matter. You can lose a lot of fluids through diarrhea, too. True. Anyway. Uh, I'll stop there. Anyway, you get the the point. So taking in those electrolytes without even really increasing your water intake throughout the night, you may not have to get up as as much to pee, um, but you would have the electrolytes in you. And when you start adding the fluid in the morning, it's not like the electrolytes are gone. Uh, so adding that water at that time would probably be pretty beneficial. He ran down a, a laundry list. I mean, the stiffness of the muscles, taking yeah. a while to warm up, not getting the pump. Um, it's just classic hydration slash uh, uh, hydration, and then hydration is fluid intake uh, slash electrolyte balance. I, I, I think we can almost always answer pump questions with like 90% of the time it's electrolyte mm -hmm. issue, not a really? water, yep. not, not a carbohydrate, yeah. not a pre-workout pump product issue. It's, it's an mm -hmm. electrolyte issue nine times out of 10. I wish I knew about that sooner. I, I remember working a manual labor job, going to the gym, training legs, and just feeling zapped in the summertime. And just being like, oh, work was really hard today. You know, I drank a lot of water, but man, work must have been really tough. Just absolutely zapped. And I know what it is now, you know. And you were probably I feel the same way with my laborious job. I mean, I'm when I'm just sitting here typing and I'm typing. Oh, endlessly. your fingers! It's just like so... sometimes, yes. Sometimes my forearm will crack. I'll be like, and I'll start bitching, and my wife will be like, she'll run over. She's like, "Are you okay? Okay." I'm like, oh, "I think I'll be okay. I just need to massage this cramp out of my <laughs> yeah. forearm, and then I'm good." I mean, I'm I, I'm usually good from there. So I know I, I it's know like exactly the same thing. Like. You know, it, it feels like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the last laborious job I had. Actually, yes, I do. I was a CNC operator in a in a factory uh, when I shortly after I met my wife because I feel like I needed a real job. In bouncing, Michigan. yes, bouncing at top of the rock, even though Roadhouse was out at the time, and he drove a Mercedes. <laughs> I thought for sure, I'm like, I can probably pull this off. I mean, you know, he's pulling ass. He's got a Mercedes. It's he fights a little bit. It'll work, and it just did not work. So then I had to raise kids. Roadhouse. <laughs> Never go back and watch it. It's so it's so nostalgic, but it's so cheesy. It's so bad. 
Um, oh, okay. How about this one? Um, new Patreon subscribers. Is that, I, I'm not sure which show this would apply best for, but probably Blood, Sweat, and Gear. I'm planning to go on a long week vacation with my family, and I want to be in the best situation post-show. So would it be best to do the trip immediately after the show, two weeks after the show, or once things have leveled off, like a month post-show? That this is, is a first lot show? of thought. Mm, I'm not sure. What do you say, Skip? The week after the show, I just—it's there's a lot of thought going into it, and I don't know that it's going to matter a whole lot. Uh, Do you? I mean, okay, let's nitpick a little bit. I would say this: you're always in your best condition the week after the show, no matter what you do. You you really, for the most part, unless you're just an absolute glutton and you're eating everything, you know, throwing everything into your face that you can possibly throw into it. You're going to be in really good condition, and you don't need to change. You don't need to train, but it's also a very vulnerable time for your immune system, where you probably should be resting, and you do want to be hydrated. And if you're on vacation, look, anybody who goes on on vacation at any time, ninety five percent of them think they're just as hydrated, but we're not as hydrated. We're not in our typical routine and our typical structure. So there's that. I think if it was me, without giving it much, I would probably want to hydrate, fill out a little bit, rest a little bit. I'd probably go on vacation the second week, but I just think it's splitting hairs. I don't think it's really going to matter. I'll tell you when not to. Don't go on a vacation while you're prepping. Yeah. yeah. That just is not a good idea at all. Mm-hmm. And I understand sometimes people have to do it. We have jobs. We have lives. We have families. I understand. You know, you want to make it fit. You know, you don't want your family to suffer and right. you don't want your bodybuilding to take priority. I respect that. I really do. But it's just this giant, this enormous obstacle that once you get on stage and you're standing on stage, no matter if you win your class and you don't even win the overall, you do great, but you don't win the overall, there's always going to be that doubt. And you don't want to be standing there, just you and your trunks in front of all these people and in front of your family and friends and go, maybe if I didn't take that vacation. You just don't want those questions. Then you blame your family. You hate them. Yeah. <laughs> you get rotten. divorced. Kids, kids screw everything up. Yeah, exactly. Could have been I'm pro. Leaving. It could have been pro. Yeah. Go out to get a pack of cigarettes, like Chappelle says. That's how people used to get divorced. I'm going to go out and get a pack of cigarettes, and then you just don't come back. Get some cigarettes and milk. <laughs> what do you think, Andrew? Uh, I mean, it depends on the person, right? If, if they're a person that's like, hey, like, you know that they're just going to, like, blow up. Or, I mean, this is where knowing your clients and also knowing what they really want long term, I think, comes comes in handy. Ideally, I would say four weeks later would be best because I want to have some time post-show to try to build your calories up, give you a few meals you know, in between, but build your calories up, decrease your cardio so that when you do go have a week, it's not that big of a deal. I also agree, though, that if you go in the first week, how much damage can you really do in one week to Ooh. offset? I mean, so I know some people can, but like, I, I mean, I, I went. I did. did. Oh, okay. I, I well, ruined let me, it. Let me tell you. I ruined let me it. Tell you real quick, mine. <laughs> let me tell you mine real quick. I didn't ruin it, but I mean, we went to Mexico a week after I competed in 2014, and yeah. we were there for a week. And I ate like, I would say 75 to 80 percent clean because there was buffets okay. with tons of tons of fresh fish, and that to me was was. A lot of options, a lot of fruits that I hadn't been exposed to. So I was able to like, you know, maybe make substitutions instead of chicken and rice. I might be doing fish and some of these exotic fruits and a little bit of rice, whatever. That's not going to hurt you. 
No, I, I think we had dinner every single night, you know, like at one of the, the restaurants at the resort or whatever. And then, you know, my, my base calories are probably up 20% total for the whole week. And we yeah. still walked everywhere and we did tons of extra. We, there was a gym. We worked out every day. So I was up 20 pounds at the end of the week, but it looked like a good 20 pounds, if you know what I mean. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. but, but no, yeah. I want to hear your story. So I, it's now referred to as the great eatcation. And I got my second show absolutely peeled. Like this show, I got so lean that it took me several more tries to reach that again. Like this condition haunted me for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, it was two weeks after the show. And my girlfriend competed a week before me. So it was three weeks after her show. It might have been one week. I can't remember for sure. This was back in 2010 or nine. I can't remember now. But way back then, we went up to Traverse City. Skip will know Traverse City. And it was uh, right past cherry season and stuff. It was in the fall. And uh, man, I just started eating. So we stayed. Here's the thing. I think, Andrew, what you had set up was nice because you had clean options. We -hmm. stayed in a hotel, okay? With a hotel, we didn't have, we had to fend for ourselves, meaning what ends up happening, I think, for people, especially new guys, you got, you like, you, you, if you don't go prepared, then you eat crap, you know, and then crap for breakfast and then crap for lunch and then crap for dinner. You just get what's available. My story was, though, like, there was a great place. It was like a, a pancake place downtown we ate there every like it was only four days we we ate there every four days we went to the grocery store and got all our favorite treats and stuff we had everything big old bag of bagels that'd be gone by the end of the day you know just everything you could think of like the third it was only like a four-day trip like the third day we're climbing on sleeping bear dunes and i'm like huh for some reason my legs hurt too bad like i can't walk up this hill like I, I literally like I'm feeling paralyzed. Like I can't walk up this hill. I don't know why, but my legs just like my calves are just hurting so bad. They're getting so cramped. And I look back now. It was the fact I ended up gaining 30 pounds on that trip. 30 pounds. I was only a middleweight, man. So I went from like post-show 175-ish, you know, to like 205. I didn't even look like I lifted. I didn't even look like I lifted. And it absolutely ruined my any type of a chance for you know building off of that for the off season because the thing is and I've, i i have a client that did it this year new guy got absolutely peeled and then he disappeared he's like there was a girl at the gym she looked terrible after show i don't want to do that i don't want to do that and then post show he disappears for seven weeks or eight weeks and then he comes back and you can't once you lose that you can't get it back you know what no. i mean so i just i'm leery and I've I've heard so many stories and seen so many stories. I'm with you, Andrew. I'll say give it a month. Yeah. And uh, oh, guy like Skip, he can do it, you know. Or I had a guy uh, this year, Omar, who was mm-hmm. getting married or he, he was getting ready to have a baby, and um, they only had this chance to do a vacation. We planned it like a year ahead of time that he was going to take a vacation about seven weeks out from his contest. All right. Seven weeks before. Seven weeks before the show. But we planned it. I was like, dude, we're going to get you absolutely peeled so that you're ready then. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. That and makes we, sense. Though. And it was great. Like he did, he did really good with it. But I agree with you before the show is a terrible idea, a, a worse idea. But for me, I, I would give it a month because what, here's what I want to do. I want to get the cravings away. 
I want to give you that opportunity to eat some foods, but then also kind of clean your system back out and get back to clean food, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And hopefully after a month, because there's going to be that thing where your brain just wants, wants, wants. And once you start, sometimes you just can't stop, especially for the the newer guys, you know. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I think everyone has a story of that that one time that they completely, you know, oh, sure. just went to town. I mean, my first show, I definitely gained like 44 pounds in the first like two weeks. Did you? Know? you? And yeah. completely destroyed any conditioning that I that I built. And I knew after that, I'm like, okay. And, and keep in mind, my friends who would compete were like, oh, that's what you do. You, you yeah. eat to gain. You're, you're trying to grow now, so you need to eat. You tell like, yourself okay. that. It, it, it's very easy to tell someone who's been dieting for 18 or 20 weeks, hey, you just need to eat. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's mm-hmm. how hard is it to tell a competitor the night before the show that you're flat or that, that you're, you're just flat. You need more carbs. Right. They're all like, OK, feed me. More. Yeah. 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 You said so cheesecake. Like, but I think like <laughs> most competitors, it, if they're really into the sport, they say, OK, I realize that that's not the way to do it. I need to have a plan post show. They stay in contact with their coach and they don't do that ever again. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people will go off after a show too, and they may not keep you, you know, may not work with a coach in the off season. And yeah. I know I have found that the vast majority of that time too, um, they don't want the structure and they don't yeah. want the uh, the plan and they don't want to. It's it's disappointing. Uh, it's part of the reason that I um, discount off season to prep clients because it's not only better it's clearly it's better for me i don't do anything or offer anything that isn't better for me (laughs) you know from a from a coaching standpoint not only as a business but as you know so that i know that client and what that client's doing and otherwise they come back to me for a prep and we're digging out of this this giant hole that they have you know created for themselves so it Mm -hmm. makes my job easier it makes it easier for them as well and less torturous uh which i think is easier to hold on to any progress that you've had in that off season as well so you know we all have those we definitely all have those stories i don't want to sit here like i'm an angel and i haven't done it it's just that it's far more if i'm being honest far more dangerous for me to do it now or far more unhealthy Mm -hmm. i hate the word dangerous but Mm -hmm. i guess kind of the same thing you know than it was when i was 33 or or 34 it's a it's a big difference and just so that people do know when you gain all that weight your heart and your kidneys are they're sputtering i mean it's just a it's a very very bad situation you have all that that uh fluid in your legs quite frankly because your body is struggling to get the fluid out of your legs when you're standing upright that's why it disappears at night when you lie down and you have to pee a lot <laughs> i would even go one step further and argue that that, that three four five day phase or whatever however long that lasts is more dangerous than the entire ped use of the entire prep <laughs> could be I, I can't disagree with that i think it's i tell you this people poo poo it and they don't think that it's a big deal and they should give it far more attention than they do instead of this badge of courage and this this joke about how much you know and we're laughing about it too i we got it we got away with it uh but i'll tell you i won't do it not at my i'm not doing it <laughs> no okay. well All i also right. want to say that because it, it's some it's often when you start to hear stuff of coach so-and-so did this to me at, and oh but yeah. it's really like they're not they're not really giving the full story well I also ate eight times my norocaloric intake for five days mm-hmm. after the show and caused Metabolic this swing damage. that's yes the metabolic damage claims the mm-hmm. oh he killed me with t3 he had you on 30 mics a day that's that's not killing you okay you right. know like that kind of stuff you know 
Yeah. We got enough time for a couple more here. Uh, this one I thought was kind of a fun one. I know you saw this one, Andrew, because you commented back. Uh, question on the next episode. A while back, Andrew said he tried everything to grow his arms. I was playing with the idea of only training my arms for, say, four to six weeks. So all my recovery would go to my arms, and that would be the only signal being sent. My question is, how would you guys do this program? So he's saying literally only arm day, just training arms for four weeks straight. Well, first, none of us would do it. <laughs> I'm not, I don't want that to be a slam on the guy. I'm just saying I find it nonsensical. I think there are many other ways around it. But given that he's going to do that, then we should probably respond of how we would program it, you know, given that that's what he's going to do. Here's what I would do. I because I'm always up for experimenting with something new to see if like, Hey, is this, can you, can you dramatically improve your arms? Pretty much just training your arms. I wouldn't just train my arms though, but what I would do is <laughs> I would, I would alternate. Okay. So I would do two arm workouts every week. Let's say like Monday, Thursday. All right. For that four to six week stretch. But then in between on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, I would also, I would alternate one week training upper body. And then next week I would alternate training legs. So that I'm at least getting some stimulus to the other muscle tissue because I don't want to back. I mean, who wants to lose size on their legs? Who wants to lose size on their chest? You know, I, right. I think there's a way you can prioritize your arm training as the main focal point, but I don't think you need to completely pull out all other training. So I'm going to go with the fact, and I like your answer because that's really, that's how I would probably do something very, very similar as well. But let's, I'm just going to go, I'm going to respond based on the fact that he's only going to train arms. This is what I would do. Like if someone said, Skip, this is, you have to do this. I would begrudgingly do it, but this is how I would do it. I would, um, I would, alt I'll tell you what I would do with my arm train. In this example for triceps, I would do a, uh, an exercise or two of an isolation. And then I would go straight into things like dips, close grip benches, That's and cheating. things that use. I, well, I mean, there's still <laughs> tricep exercises, and you're still hitting your tries. And you kind, I would, uh, you know, justify it with pre-exhaust things like that. But that way, you'd still be nailing your triceps, but you would also be getting shoulders, delts, and, and back involvement in there too. And I would do the same thing with biceps. I would. Um, start with isolation work for biceps and then I would go into and this is an old menser exercise that is highly underrated and that is the closer grip lat pull or chin yeah. where you're pulling your hands underneath your chin or to, more to your to your mouth or to your to under your chin I keep saying it I guess but to that area it's hard to explain without demonstrating it but it is a very very strong exercise for for biceps that is neglected but it's a better exercise if your biceps are already fatigued from curling movements uh, and then of course you would get back work in there as well and you know bicep brachialis uh, you know a lot um maybe even cheat and do some um <laughs> under grip <laughs> rowing um you know row exercise too at the end i don't know but try to incorporate those compound movements so that you are training other muscle groups too. I just, I don't see that, see doing that as, and, and again, I'm not trying to slam it. I just, it doesn't seem terribly sensical. I see where he's coming from though. He's saying like, yeah, I do. You know, my well, yeah, he's swinging, he's swinging to, to the, to, yeah, right, he's swinging to the extreme side. I totally get it. And I did the same thing with the every other week training and people, you know, thought that was crazy too. 
so what he could do is if he is going to swing out there and he insists on swinging out there, then be open to coming back, bringing the pendulum back a little bit and finding some middle ground by maybe not training him four to six. That's a long time to go without training legs or anything else. That said, I don't think he's going to lose any muscle in those other body parts. I don't think it's like all of a sudden he doesn't look like a bodybuilder. You know, with me, after I got sick, I wasn't able to train legs in a long time. And granted, I did lose some size in him, but I'm talking like a year later. I'm looking at my legs and I'm like, good God, I, w- I, would, have, I would have expected them to shrink up a lot more than they did. So for four weeks, I'm saying the only way, though, that I would tell him to do this is if he is a step away from being an IFB pro. And yeah. the judges took him aside and they're like, hey, listen, you're, you're perfect. We haven't seen a better bodybuilder in our lives other than Arnold. You know, he was the, the, him and Ronnie. They were the, these are the guys that stand out. Uh, you could be them, but just your arms. It's just the arms. <laughs> if that was the only thing, then I would say take a month to work on your arms and then work on everything else again. And then now you're matched up. But yeah. I think all those other, like that issue could be overcome with more GH and insulin and some SEO. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say SEO. I, SEO. I, yeah. I mean, like, and I say GH and insulin because like my arms never look as good as when I was on a bottle of GH a day. And I mean, they were bursting round full. I mean, just typing on the computer, you're getting a forearm pump. So your biceps were pumped. Um, and then a little, a little bit of SEO doesn't, doesn't hurt, you know? <laughs> Now, I think he means Andrew for this, or I should say Barry, because he calls me McNally. Uh, kind of a fun one here. It says, I'm curious, has Skip or we'll say Barry ever grown a beard? Beards look good on you, Andrew. I think he means Scott. I don't know. I'm confused. Yeah, he's talking about you, Scott, because you're the one that has a beard. Right. Like I've had some, some three or four day not shaving. But, he says, I'm uh, approaching 50, uh, and um, I didn't want to grow my first beard until 45 now i can't fathom with living without one crazy because uh i used to always hate facial hair figure i'd throw in a question nobody else ever had thought of that's that's a point right there thanks for the great content channel is hands down the best one out there no egos and very informative i feel like i've never seen skip with so much as even a five o'clock shadow i will not shave every day he doesn't like hair yeah pretty pretty close i'll tell you why all my hair or most of my hair is now silver and i hate it i'm like Cher. Cher came out today and said that on the today show that she uh can't stand getting older and you know she's 76 quite frankly i think she looks great uh for 76 nobody looks like her at 76 um but the point is, is i don't want that i i don't need to try to look like I'm 40. I know that I don't. I look every bit of 53. But when I get that white, and my wife loves it. She loves that if I have a, you know, a bit of a shadow, or I can't, I just can't stand it. So I shave all the time. I, I don't shave every day. I am fortunate that I don't have, I'm not a terribly hairy person. Like I am not going to have this ridiculously hairy back or, you know, uh, there's a couple jokes here, but I'm too. I'm trying to be mature. Um, I, I don't like hair. I know it's hard. For How you about skip? I don't like hair, uh, yeah, and I'll just leave it at that. I am not fond of it. I find it. I find it on me. Like if I have hairy legs or whatever, I find it kind of gross and ew. I also think, and I can't grow a beard, so take this with a grain of salt. I also think, and this is not 
everybody. So this is not a blanket statement. I don't want Scott to be offended by this or any Uh-oh. of my clients or Uh-oh. anybody else. There are people with really good looking beards that I go, you know what? <clears throat> if I could have a beard like that, okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. But the vast majority of beards, and I do believe this, I believe that this phase or this fad came back, or trend, we'll call it a trend, came back in trend? because guys are hiding chins and they're hiding faces that don't look, and my face doesn't look great without a beard, so I'm not saying that. And I, I don't want anybody to get pissed because it's I'm not saying a blanket statement, but there are plenty of people that I know who are heavy, who wear beards because they got this giant chin and a round face and they don't look as fat with a beard. I said it and I Yeah, it. I think there is that because I started putting on I some do. weight and I could see it it does kind of mask that when I, I But whether I, you did I, that I or not, you down. look good with a beard. Well, and well, I'm not you. saying that. Like I, I would just I would I just gloss for, over it. I stopped I never like, had a beard for a long time because my dad had a beard and I just felt like it was like my dad's thing. I didn't want to be him. But my my grandpa, I got to tell you guys, this was my great grandpa, actually. He did not like beards. And when I was like eight years old, he told this story to just a random story. He didn't intend to mean it toward anybody. He hadn't seen us in years and years. And I'm sitting there with my dad. My dad's got his beard. My dad was like a hippie in the day. He had a long beard. He was trimmed up now, you know, and, and we're sitting there and he says, you know, I saw a guy, you know, you got to see you grow a beard, Jerry. He says, uh. Ah, you know, out front one time, there was a guy in a, a semi-truck. It was a, 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 a diesel truck and uh, uh, carrying carrying gas or whatever. And he said, and he got into an accident and the truck caught on fire. And I tried to race to save him. And when I grabbed onto him, his beard caught on fire. And the flames just went straight up his face. And ever since that day, you know, and he didn't say this like directly to my dad. He said, whenever I've seen a man with a beard... I just tell him to just shave that off. (laughs) (laughs) And I was eight and I got what he was trying to do there. You know what I mean? I get it. Oh, we got an Andrew Beard picture here. Oh, we got some mutton chops here, actually. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Oh, man. See? That's That's a good look on you. I can't do that. I can't do that. that. uh, It's not thick enough. It doesn't look good on me anyway. Well, yeah, so that was that was like 2017. Very sexy. Yeah. Right before prep, or actually two days before the show, and then I was going to shave. And I started to shave, and I sent the the left picture to my brother because my brother yeah. was the fun kid, and I thought he'd get a kick out of you know the mutton chops or the saber tooth kind of look. So, yeah. so yeah, and I you could tell I actually had a big dip in too. Oh, did you? <laughs> nice. Do you see my my, my lift there? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a guest for the next episode. In case you guys didn't know, we record a couple of these at a time. I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, so our guest is waiting in the wings. We'll get this thing wrapped up. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, if you have any questions for the next show, then definitely comment below. Uh, plus, if you're new to our content, like, you know, all that stuff, subscribe. We could use some more, uh, you know, interaction. Um, plus, uh, thank you to everybody for shopping with our sponsors, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. Supplementsource.ca for Canadians. And thank you to everybody from Patreon. I think I got all the Patreon questions here, but if not, I'll tackle them next time. And uh, go over to bodyberry.com to reach out to Andrew for coaching. You can go to teamskip.com to reach out to Skip. You can reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. And for another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear, we will see you soon. Thanks, guys. 